This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Take your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read from the New King James. As you know, we've been in the Beatitudes. Last week, we took a beautiful Holy Spirit detour, and uh, we didn't get to the Beatitudes. But that's totally fine. That just is the way it is, and we love it when he does that. But take your Bibles, turn to verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, All right, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A few items of review. Number one, Jesus saw the multitudes. He went up a mountain. There are times when Jesus goes into the multitude, listen carefully, and times where Jesus goes where he wants to go with hopes that the multitude will follow him. And it's imperative we understand that both are true. Yes, Jesus is loving. Yes, Jesus is attracted to the hurting. Yes, he is attracted to the broken. Attracted to those who are like sheep without a shepherd. At the same time, there are moments where Jesus is on a mission and he expects you to follow him. That's one of the things that happens in maturity is the Lord leads us. He walks and expects us to follow. Not so that we would get to some better place, but so that we would express our love to him by showing that we don't want to be away from him. This happened, let me give you an example. Do you remember when Jesus was walking on water? The Bible says had they not stopped him, Jesus would have kept walking. He was on a mission. He was on his way to his destination. The kingdom of God is like that. This is difficult for many to to receive. But Jesus doesn't revolve around us. That was good, huh? Should I copyright that? Yeah, I should, right? That was a good one. Jesus doesn't revolve around us. He is loving, he is the savior, he is the seeker, seeker. he has come to seek and save those that are lost, but he doesn't revolve around us. No, 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 he has a plan. And the Bible says, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. There is an agenda in the spirit that God has preordained before the foundations of the earth regarding what he wants to do here. Let me give you another example. Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus. The Bible says that he told the disciples he had to keep walking. Those two disciples, he had to keep walking because it was dark. In other words, he wanted to keep moving. But they constrained him. 
In other words, they had to reach out to keep Jesus from going on. All that to say, yes, Jesus seeks us, but he also expects us to seek him. And our seeking is always a response to his seeking. But there are some people who believe that, oh, Jesus just can't get his work done without me. He, dude, he totally can get his work done without us. Very easily. Now, he would love to use us, but if he doesn't use us, he'll just find someone else. If nobody else shows up, he'll just get it done. He can use a donkey. He can rebuke a false prophet through a donkey like Balaam. So the Lord often runs into the crowd, but there are times when the Lord expects the crowd to come to him and on his terms. Now, listen carefully. Yes, he seeks the lost, but he expects his disciples to respond to his seeking. And you have to be near, listen carefully, be near Jesus to hear Jesus. Let me say that again. Let me say it another way. To hear Jesus, I must be near Jesus. So before he taught them, they came to him. Again, I believe this is a fulfillment, a prophetic type and shadow fulfillment of Jesus announcing that I am the same God who is on Sinai. Sinai, he, he released the law to Israel on the top of a mountain. Here Jesus expresses the laws of the kingdom on top of a mountain. The old covenant, the laws of the covenant came forth on a mountain. The law of the new covenant comes forth on a mountain. I believe that's Jesus saying, I am the great I am. It's me. It's the same God. Verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them saying, again, the voice comes from his face. The voice comes from his face. If you want to hear his voice, seek his face. He opened his mouth and taught them. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about what it means to be poor in spirit. This is not limit, this is not pointing to social poverty. This is speaking of a heart condition. I've met many people who are materially poor, who are also spiritually poor. I've also met people who are incredibly wealthy materially and love Jesus in a very wealthy way. I've also met people who have a lot of money who don't love Jesus. I've met people who don't have a lot of money, who are addicted and who deeply love Jesus. Why, why am I saying all this? Because the amount or the lack thereof, it does not determine our love relationship with the Lord. 
But here specifically, the Bible is speaking of being poor in spirit, internal poverty. In other words, are we hungry tonight? If I'm not hungry for Jesus tonight, listen carefully. I want to say it the right way. If I'm not hungry, I'm not where I should be. You never reach a place in following Jesus if you're following faithfully where hunger ceases because you've just had so much. When you follow Jesus and you feast on the bread of life, you become more hungry. So I want you to take a moment tonight and ask the Holy Spirit, ask him, Holy Spirit, am I hungry? Do I think about you as much? Do I yearn for your presence? What do I do with my spare time? Do I, do I spend as much time with you as I used to? Is your word still food to me or am I just getting through it to check off some religious obligation? Ask the Lord, Lord, am I hungry anymore? Am I poor in spirit? Those who are poor in spirit, they have this thing in them that just cries out for more. They have to have more. Their heart is saying, yes, Lord, another drink of wine. You are wine from above. My cup runs over, but keep pouring. Yes, Lord, you are the bread of life. Feed me with yourself more, 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 more. More addicted to the presence of God. More in love with the scriptures. This is what it looks like to be poor in spirit. They realize, those who are poor in spirit, realize that life is a living hell without Jesus. In fact, it's not even a living hell. It's just death. Life without Jesus is not life. It's merely existing in the realm of death. They realize that. They they don't even like the version of themselves when they're not with the Lord. Now to that person, they receive a promise. The kingdom of heaven. In other words, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom above, becomes their reality here. The dominating king begins to live with them. Kingdom, the, the king's domain. He dominates all that is not his. He dominates all that doesn't come from him. He dominates all that hasn't been birthed by him in our lives. And so this belongs to those who are poor in spirit. The reigning power of the king. I think sometimes... In our gospel presentations, we forget that Jesus is a king. Again, he, he doesn't revolve around us. We're not just uh, inviting some reject into our hearts when we get born again. Oh, I invited Jesus into my heart. Yeah, I understand. That happens. He does come live inside of our hearts, but he's a regal king. We also become his subjects. He's the king 
of a kingdom and that kingdom is his presence. And in that kingdom are righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. The ways of heaven. The culture of heaven. A lifestyle that is heavenly. A lifestyle that is holy. A home life that is holy. A marriage that is holy. A body that, that is holy. I'm serious. A thought life that is holy. Relationships that are holy. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This belongs to the person who's poor in spirit. Don't you remember what Jesus said? He said, you are so blind because you think you can see. It'd be better if you just admitted you were blind. But because you think you have light and because you, you think you can see, how great is your darkness? In other words, you're in darkness, but Jesus is saying to them, you're in darkness. If you would just say you were in darkness, it'd be a better scenario than you saying, I see the light. Nothing more frustrating to the doctor when we walk in with a fatal disease and we tell the doctor, no, no, I really, it's not there. You're saying incorrectly that you're, you're wrong. What is the doctor to do in that, in that moment? What, it's difficult when people believe that their darkness is actually righteousness. This is deep darkness, Jesus taught. That's not the kingdom of heaven. That's not the king reigning in your life. Reigning in the way you live your daily life. This belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Those who are poor in spirit are okay with Jesus, listen carefully, pointing out our junk. The poor in spirit are okay with the Lord pinpointing stuff. Do you know why? Because they want him. And they trust him. And they've learned that the only reason he would point it out is because he loves them. Longs to remove it from them for the sake of their eternity. The poor in spirit receive the kingdom of heaven. Number four, I'm sorry, verse four. This is where I want to go tonight. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I have a question for you tonight. Are you lacking the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Are there areas of your life where you need comfort and there's been none? What I can promise you is it's not because of the Lord. I'm not blaming you at all. 
but I'm certainly not going to blame the Holy Spirit. He's named the Comforter. It's who he is. I'm not talking about the comforts of life. Like this is nothing more like a chair like this. I like the chair the team got. I'm not big on the gold little buttons on it, but I do like the chair. It's comfortable. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about luxury. I'm talking about comfort. The comfort of the Lord. That deep comfort that comes with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Something about the Holy Spirit is this. He will never kick the door down. He, I should say, most of the time he won't kick the door down. He did with Saul on the road to Damascus. He kicked the door down there. I know other people who he had to kick the door down on. Kick the door down on my dad. When my dad was mocking uh, the presence of God, mocking my father-in-law in the middle of a meeting. I think it was 1990, right here in Orlando. People were falling under the power of God and my dad started mocking it. He came to the church to divorce my mom to bring her the papers for taking us to such a, quote, crazy place. Drove all the way from Tarpon Springs, Florida to Maitland, Florida, which is north of Orlando, two and a half hours to tell my mom it was over. He told my mom, don't you ever bring my kids into that church again. And so there I was on the second row, hands lifted, worshiping Jesus. And one of my cousins or my brothers said, your dad just came in. I said, oh my gosh. I just started singing hallelujah because I thought we were going to die. And I wanted to go to heaven that way. <laughs> just closed my eyes and looked down. Sure enough, the usher helped my dad and my precious cousin, Father Sam Calamaris, who's a dear, dear saint of God, who's filled with the Holy Spirit as an Orthodox priest who saw mighty miracles during the liturgy. Uh, as a young kid, I grew up watching the Lord move in those meetings. My father-in-law prayed for him back in the late 80s, and the Lord moved so powerfully after that. So this priest, my cousin, drove my dad all the way to Maitland. My dad was so fired up. They get there. The usher brings them down the center aisle. About 45 minutes late for the meeting. Uh, we were still singing. And my dad sat like one, not right next to me, but the next person over. I was afraid to look at him. I remember it. Just singing to the Lord. <laughs> I didn't even know if I could concentrate on Jesus. I was just like, oh gosh, dad. But then I was saying, Lord, get my dad tonight. Get him good. Get this tough guy from Gary, Indiana with a military background. Get him good, Lord. The Lord knows how to meet us the way we need to be met. And so he's mocking what God is doing. And he says, uh, okay, God, if this is real, then I want uh, this little baby who, who uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, a mom was carrying a baby up when the miracles began. And my father-in-law was praying for people. and Some were falling, some weren't. And my father-in-law said, okay, if this is all real, when he prays for that 
mother. I don't want her to react at all. But when he prays for the little baby on the mother's shoulder, who was like a year old, I want that baby to react under the power of God. And so my father-in-law prayed for the, for, my, for the woman. Nothing happened. And then he barely touched the little baby. And the baby's head just kind of went on the mom. It was amazing. And my dad, who came there to divorce my mom because he thought we were completely heretical just for being in the room, flies on the floor right next to me. Now, when I say he had no frame of reference, not only did he not frame a reference, if he had one, it was negative. <laughs> I promise you. The last thing he would do is fake that. He thought it was all garbage. My dad goes flying. His back hits the pew. He slides under the pew. I look down. He's sobbing, sobbing on the ground. Again, he came there to divorce my mother. Now he's on the ground, breathing heavy, sobbing. He's down there for about an hour. He jumps up to his feet, raises his hands, and says, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Repents of his sin. Weeps, looks at us, repents to us. And now he's a pastor. What in the world? That's amazing. If you're there, you should start screaming in your house. Even if you have people that you invited over to watch this, you don't want to freak out. Just start screaming. Freak them out now. It's incredible. God knows how to kick the door down. He does. But most of the time, most of the time, the Lord is looking for an invitation. And so, if there are areas of our life that have not been comforted, it's possible we haven't given the Lord the invitation. I want to share another scripture with you. This is so powerful. I want you to turn to Psalm 147, verse 3. Listen to this verse. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted... And binds up their wounds. He heals the broken hearted. And binds up their wounds. Listen to the nature of the Lord. Verse 4. He counts the numbers of the stars. He calls them all by name. Did you know the Lord is into detail? He's aware of the intricacies of your heart. The Lord's desire is to heal the brokenhearted and bind up your wounds. If you're brokenhearted tonight, if you've been wounded on the inside, you need the comforter. Listen carefully. 
if you choose to not allow yourself to feel the pain that those wounds are causing and refuse to mourn you may be keeping the comfort at bay. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The Bible says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Do you know that without allowing it to dominate us, what's happening in the nations, it's, we should feel it. We should feel that. When, when people divide, how, how do you suppose the Lord feels? Do you know many, how many churches have been birthed because of church splits? Not because of evangelism or a revival or the move of the Spirit. No, because someone got upset, thought they were more anointed than the leader, decided to take people that God sent that leader ate off another tree, leached off another life source, and went and started something that they did not qualify to birth on their own. So they birthed something in the flesh, put a building around it, get some funding for it, start a social media page, gain some followers, meet the right people, Call it a church, but it's not a church because Jesus has to be there in order for it to be a church. A true church can only be birthed by the Lord. He said, I will build my church, my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He builds his church, not our church. Well, that's another teaching. But all that to say, how, what, what happens in the heart of God when there's such division? How about the racial division in America that people are using? How does that make the Lord feel? How does a division feel in the Lord's heart? When we are one in Him, just think about that for a moment. We're one in Jesus and we're gripping the ways of the world and allowing the world to tear us apart. What's that do to the Lord? What does it do to the Lord when people capitalize on someone else's pain? What does that do to the heart of Jesus? Well, if you get close enough to him, listen carefully, you will discover that the Lord mourns over these things. Doesn't enjoy it? Of course not. 
the Lord enjoy the millions of babies who've had their life taken in America? Of course not. Does the Lord enjoy hatred? Of course not. But who's touching his heart? Who's getting with him long enough to apprehend his feelings? This is a very deep place in the Lord. Write this down. Write this down. If I spend enough time with Jesus, he will eventually share his heart with me. If I spend enough time with Jesus, he will eventually share his heart with me. Jesus loves to tell his bride how he feels. He is our husband, and that's what husbands do. He did this throughout the Gospels. He attempted to tell the disciples, the Son of Man must die. The Son of Man must be lifted up. We must go to Jerusalem. Oh, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. He's saying that to his best friends. Listen to the language. I am so broken inside that I feel that I could die because of this alone. But they, they didn't grab it. They couldn't because they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. They had no way of connecting with the Lord on that level. But we have. We we, every Christian has received the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's the question. I, I am interested in how you're doing. And I hope you're interested in how I'm doing. But I, 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 I wonder if we've asked the Lord, how do you feel right now? Let me give you another scripture. And I just want to say... Never just believe what I have to say. Don't ever go there. Don't ever, I, I, if what I'm saying is not biblical, you have every right to say, I don't want to hear that. So I'm showing you scripture because I want your faith to be in the word of God. Listen to Paul's cry. Philippians 3.10. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. After Paul had been used to Christianize cities. And much of Asia Minor. And Europe. And the Middle East. Here he comes to the end of his life in Philippians 3 and he says okay here's the deal this is what I want I want to know Jesus let me let, let me say it another way I want to know the heart of Jesus I want to know all he is I want to know his power the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and everything in between I want to know what he suffers over. I know he suffered in his passion and on the cross. I want to know what he suffered, not just head knowledge. I want it to be in the depths of my being. 
What are the feelings of Jesus in his passion and suffering? If he feels rejected, I want to know. This is part of knowing him. He shows us here what it means to really know him. He gives us the bookends, the two bookends of knowing the Lord Jesus. The power of his resurrection, this great lion of Judah, and the fellowship of his sufferings. The wonderful lamb of God led to his shears, shearers as a sheep is led silent to the slaughter. This is what it means to know the Lord according to Paul here in this way. So, so Jesus feels sadness. He suffers in his heart. Not physically. He died once and for all. There's one atonement. He doesn't die every day. No, no, no. Jesus died once and for all. He was buried once and for all. Raised once and for all. Enthroned once and for all. And he's coming back again. That's the gospel. However, his heart has not changed. His heart has not changed. So, something I like to say is what triggered sadness in him then would trigger it today. What triggered joy in the Lord then would trigger joy today. Example, the Bible says Jesus rejoiced when the simple received the kingdom. The Bible says he looked at his father. He said, Father, I rejoice that the simple receive the kingdom like children. What caused pain in his heart? Do you remember the widow of Nain who lost her son? It moved him. It moved him, the Bible says. Do you remember Lazarus' tomb? The Bible says he stood there and wept. And they said, oh, how much he loved Lazarus. Jesus is moved. He was moved deeply with sadness. At the pain of the family. Jesus is not the type of savior that is robotic, that is callous, that doesn't feel. You need to know that tonight if you've been wounded. If you're afraid to mourn. If you're afraid to weep. There's this side of Jesus that will weep right along with you. I don't know why that bothers people. Some, the people it bothers the most sometimes are theologians theologians don't study the letter so much that you don't allow the letter to lead you to his heart because we don't serve a lifeless savior the bible says with deep groanings Jesus cried out to his father the bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed them. Moved with compassion. This deep, guttural feeling for his people. And the Christian should have those same deep feelings. The Christian who is united with their bridegroom has the joy and the privilege of fellowshipping with Jesus at that level. This is a deep invitation. A very holy invitation. When he's weeping. May our hearts break. And when Jesus is rejoicing. May we leap with joy. That's what it looks like. To be in love. 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. As I said earlier, mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. It's okay to mourn. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to give your mourning to Jesus. Allow the Lord right now to open your heart. Maybe you've kept it from him. And as I've been preaching the word, as Jeremiah writes, is your word not like a hammer that breaks the rock? Let the Lord have access to your heart. You know, the, the nations are arguing. Nations are warring over land and rights and resources and oil and fame and dominance, dishonor, all this stuff. And what God wants most is the human heart. Everybody wants to be the hero today when there's one hero. His name is Jesus. We make demands and we believe that we should get what we deserve. Friend, all we really deserve in our own merit is hell. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your heart. What is a nation but millions of hearts? What is a government but millions of hearts? The Lord wants your heart. Are there corners of your heart that you keep from him? He wants your mourning. This morning teaching is twofold. We are to mourn over what God mourns over. But we are also to give God our mourning. To give ourselves permission to mourn, listen carefully, in the presence of Jesus. That's what the widow of Nain did, walking near her son's casket before Jesus touched it and raised her son. She was mourning in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus was not turned off by her mourning. The Bible says he's the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Jesus was not repelled by Mary and Martha's mourning. No, he was not. Even when he raised that precious little girl in Jairus' house and they were mourning. He said she sleeps. Their mourning didn't keep him from raising 
that little girl. Give God your pain tonight. And I feel this strongly. Some of you have been so brutally wounded, mistreated, misunderstood. Can you help me, Joel? Misunderstood. Very softly, please. Being misunderstood is one of the worst feelings. Like loving somebody and them never believing it. Living a holy life and people who never met you seem to be experts on you. You know, I don't blame. I don't blame my kids' generation and even older. I don't blame them for being a bit turned off by the church at times, though I love the church. I, the church, in all of its wrinkles and in all of its spots, even though the Lord is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, the church with its spot and wrinkles is still better than the world. Now that line is so much clearer. Look at the world. Look at the world's perspective. Look at uh, anti-Christ type ideology. And then look at a church that needs work. I'll take the church that needs work any day. All that to say, the, the fighting, the judgment in God's church is so repelling. The hypocrisy is so repelling to to this generation. We judge people who are living lives of integrity. We seem to know them. They, they preach one message and because they didn't preach it just the way we thought they should. And by the way, they only had 45 minutes and they couldn't express the fullness of the Bible in those 45 minutes, man, they must, they must be off. You didn't preach the entirety of the gospel there, bud. Well, I had like, just a, you didn't preach the full counsel of God. Oh, sorry, there were 20 minutes available there. We hurt fellow servants. We attack families. We, I love what Bill, Bill Johnson's father said. I discover why people walk the way they do when I get down to wash their feet. In other words, instead of, instead of analyzing the limp, why does that guy walk with a limp? I'd find out if I got low enough to wash their feet. How about betrayal? Has somebody broken your trust? Have you been good to someone and they broke your trust? That's deep, deeply painful. There are pains so deep in the human heart that that person who's wounded, they can't even express the depth of it. I know I'm talking 
to many of you tonight. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I know that I know that I know. I'm speaking to many of you. And you feel like, I'll never climb out of this. This pain is too deep. I will live with this hole deep in my soul forever. I'm not sure I'll ever be okay again. Oh, betrayal is painful. A deep mourning. A deep mourning in our hearts when we're betrayed. How about used? Have you ever been used? people ever see right through you to get to a better place you were not the objective you were not part of the equation being a friend of yours wasn't the goal it was just you were part of a bigger plan you've ever felt used have you ever felt like you weren't valuable because someone you loved used you ever been lied to Oh man, when trust is broken, it is so hard to get it back. I wish I could tell you that I haven't been through any of this, but I just want to be real with you. How could I talk about it like this if I haven't been? How is it that Judas walked to the betrayers of Jesus with feet that Jesus had just washed. Do, do you think on the way that Judas didn't have a look down? You don't think with every step he didn't look at his own feet and say, the Messiah just washed my feet and how beautiful they are. That didn't keep Jesus from washing those feet. You don't, let me say it this way. I'm not saying you deserve your pain. You might be a wonderful person. You may have been an incredible wife or an incredible husband and your heart's been ripped out by your spouse ripped out. Maybe adultery has been committed. I don't know. Maybe your children that you've given everything to raise want nothing to do with you. All you stand for is gross to them. Even your faith You've been a wonderful parent. Not perfect, but wonderful. You've done all, you've worked multiple jobs maybe just to put food on the table. You die for your kids and they don't want anything to do with you. That's painful. You need to mourn tonight. Many of you in the name of faith have shut your heart down without knowing you lock the door to it and 
because you won't mourn with Jesus there or allow him to touch you there, you can't be comforted. And the wonderful comforter, the presence of the Spirit, he wants to comfort you. Let's talk about this other aspect of mourning. Ask the Lord to turn your heart on to his feelings. Lord, what is on your heart? And if something comes to you from the Spirit, I am broken over division. Then the bride says, Jesus, how can I minister to you? How can I minister to you in worship? How can I adore you and pour oil on your feet? How can I do this, Jesus? How can I be a, a, a voice of unity in your body to help alleviate what you're sharing with me? This is the heart of those who are in love. No mourning. No comfort. But I, I, I'm going to ask the Lord right now to give you his compassion for those people that have hurt you. Listen carefully. Has your trust been betrayed? Yes. But have you ever betrayed the Lord's trust? Yes. It doesn't mean you excuse the person and they don't clean up the disaster they've created. It doesn't even mean that you necessarily have to take them back, but it does mean you need to forgive them. So I've never done such a thing. You've done worse to Jesus. You say, oh man, I, I have never been unfaithful to my spouse they were unfaithful to me you've been, ever been unfaithful to the Lord do you know a mixed heart is an unfaithful heart do you know Jesus in the book of Hosea called G Jesus and in other words God and other idols he called that harlotry we've all been unfaithful to our heavenly spouse Forgive, ask for compassion. See, I've been a faithful parent, a faithful son and daughter. Nobody's been 100% faithful with their heavenly father. So Jesus on the cross says this, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Why would I ask the Lord to walk you down this road? Not to diminish your pain. No, 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 listen. To free you from your pain. It's in that forgiveness that is the nature of Jesus that his presence begins to flow and he makes you more like Jesus. That's the goal. Do you know pain is promised to the Christian? Do you know being hated is promised to the Christian? Do you know families disconnecting over Jesus is actually in the Bible? I'm not saying I want it to happen. But Jesus said, I, I've come to bring a sword, a division. 
because of faith, not that we would divide in the church or divide. No, but this happens. It doesn't need to stay that way. In fact, if your family's divided, why don't you make a phone call tonight? And if you've wronged someone, because I've only been talking to the per person who's been hurt, if you've hurt people, you need to clean up that mess and ask them for forgiveness. And when you're done doing that, actually repent. Go to the source of why you did what you did and make restitution and clean the thing up. Don't cheapen their pain by going, sorry, I said I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's not the Bible either. We make restitution. We go back the best we can and clean it up. And we express our value to the Lord, showing, Lord, I sinned. I feel it. I know it and to the person that we've pained. This is the beautiful process of mourning and allowing the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Now, I might be speaking mysteries to you right now. You may have no clue what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you can. What I'm talking about, you will not hear in the world. This is for those who are part of another kingdom. Another place. The kingdom of heaven. They belong to King Jesus. They come to him. They repent of their sin. That's what you're going to have a chance to do right now. Repent means I turn away from it. I want nothing to do with it. And I turn toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And I give him my entire life. I believe that he came. And he's fully God. Fully man. He came to save me from my sin, that he suffered, that he died, that he was buried, raised, that he shed his blood, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and that Jesus Christ is coming back again, that he is King of kings, and now I want him to be my king. He is Lord of lords, but I want him to be my Lord, and I lay my life down tonight. I respond to this good news that I'm sharing with you, that we call the gospel. I respond to that now, and give him my heart. I give him my life. And that's what I want to invite you to do right now. You just heard the greatest news in the universe. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from everything and turn to Jesus. If you want to do that right now, I want you to get on your knees if you're in your house, if you're in your bedroom wherever you are, unless you're driving. <laughs> Get on your knees and, and let's pray. Let's offer the Lord our heart and receive Him. Just close your eyes where you are and say this out loud the best you can with the most real and authentic heart you know to offer. Say this, God Almighty, I come to you tonight a sinner save my soul forgive my sin Jesus I repent of my sin and I fully turn to you I believe that you are the son of God I believe that you came to the earth that you are God Almighty, 
And I believe that you suffered and you died. And I believe you shed your blood for me. For the sins of the world. Wash me in your blood, precious Jesus. Cleanse my soul. I believe you've been raised from the dead. And that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And that you're coming back again to rule and reign forever. Receive me now as I receive you. Take my life fully. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I feel his presence here. So beautifully. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you, if you just prayed that prayer, I want you just to keep your eyes closed. Jesus said that if we asked our Father that we would receive the Holy Spirit, that he would clothe us in power. He lives in you right now. You've given him your life. You've been born again by the Spirit. But I'm going to ask him to clothe you in power now, to, that, the, we, that you would receive what the Bible says, that you would receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Wonderful Jesus, stretch forth your hand and release the power of the Holy Spirit to everyone listening so that we would be witnesses of you to this world who needs you, Lord. Let your power fall. Let your power fall, Lord. Fall like fire on everyone listening. Spark moves of God in houses around the world. Churches and workplaces, schools and dorm rooms. Come on, I, I want everyone to agree with me in, in this room tonight here in Orlando. Let your fire fall in dorm rooms and in schools and high schools and homes and Lord, offices and let your fire fall in the nations right now. Empower your people to be witnesses. Fill them. Fill them to declare the gospel, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive, receive. Like little children, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The Lord's presence is so rich here. He's so rich here. If you've given Jesus your heart tonight, we want you to send us a text message. It's very important. We want to walk with you. We want to help equip you. There's new believers resources available. I say this every week, but this is very important. I want you to read your Bible every day. It is the Word of God. It is the bread of life. Get alone, read your Bible. Number two, pray every day. Go in your room, shut that door, and get with Jesus. And let the Holy Spirit teach you how to pray. And pray with your Bible there. Learn to pray the Scriptures. Talk to the Lord. 
Let him be your best friend. Number three, get planted in a local church. Find a local church that loves his presence and loves the whole Bible and, and become part of that church. Go beyond attending and be rooted there. Number four, get baptized in water. Go to that church and say, Pastor, I want to be baptized in water. I have been born again. Put me under. It's a wonderful command. And great blessings come with that precious, precious sacrament that the Lord gave the church as we are severed from the world and announce to the earth and to the heavens that we belong to Jesus Christ. Number five, ask the Lord Jesus to constantly empower you with the Spirit. I believe many of you received the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, release the gifts of the Spirit tonight. Let your gifts flow through all the people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.